Okay, so anybody who's listening and if you have an excuse of why you're not doing what you believe in, here you go. <laughs> Remember her story? Yeah, I, I don't even have words. Like when I think about like running the roles and actually doing justice to them, having a child, taking care of all of this and being so committed. Thanks, Aditi. You just like made my weekend. Huh? Like- <laughs> Hi there. Thank you so much for joining me one more time on India's first graphology-based leadership show called Absolutely Right with Aditi Sarana. I'm your host. I'm a behavioral analyst, a high-performance coach and an anti-anxiety expert. This show is brought to you by India's first mental and emotional gym called Apt. If you are a new listener, let me tell you that our Wednesday episodes are filled with loads of takeaways. All you got to do is keep your notepad and your pen handy. Have your handwriting sample next to you because I will be talking about our guest personality by looking at their handwriting, their behavioral traits, how they look at things by the selection of the handwriting strokes. This study called graphology is a well-researched subject that mostly people are unaware of. As you would see the whole process in action, you'll know what I'm talking about. Our guest on the show today is Samyukta Ganesh Ayer, who is currently working as the Vice President and Marketing Head for Kaya Limited. Samyukta spoke about marketing in a different light altogether. You know how we think about marketing as a pushy thing that gets you to buy things you do not need with the money that you do not have and pay credit card bills that you do not desire. However, Samyukta speaks about how one can approach this with empathy. Initially, when she spoke about it, I thought, you know, how empathy is a cool word and most marketeers talk about it. But when you see her authenticity and when you hear her speak about the examples that she brings, it was very interesting to see the possibility of marketing and empathy coexisting. Along with that, she also asked me some interesting questions about leadership, like her leadership style. Why can't she stop thinking in the middle of the night about the projects that she's working on and what can she do about it? And as a high performance coach, I believe I have tried my level best to answer each and every question that she brought to the table. So if you like this conversation and if you think it can add value to your other marketeer friend or someone who is in a leadership position or aspiring to be one, please share this episode with them. You can find this podcast on all major podcasting platforms. And if you have a question that you want me to answer, you can write to me on W-R-I-T-E, write at aditisarana.com. Now, without further ado, let me invite our guest on the show. Hi, Samyukta. I was just going through your handwriting and, you know, being a marketeer, being a mother, being an author, there are so many different hats that you wear and it's interesting to explore that side. Today, we're going to do that a lot more, but, and I'm jumping into right into the question, but how do you manage to do all of it together? Okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't have, I could stop myself like, oh my God, I have to ask all these questions before I say hello. (laughs) So hi, Aditi. So first of all, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I think you have a super interesting format. Um, I'm really looking forward to listening about your whole graphology bit and extremely curious. Actually, I can't wait to know. Okay. Um, Just to answer your question. I don't know. Yeah, I think as, um, as cliched as it might sound, I think as women, we can all multitask. Mm-hmm. So even if we were to look at our grandmothers, um, I mean, they, they had like several kids, one husband, 
<laughs> they were running the kitchen they were running the house they were doing so many things at the same time True. and ensuring that everybody kind of grew up okay mm-hmm. ensuring that everybody is well fed educated yeah. taken care of you True. know uh i think yeah intuitively it's just inbuilt in women to kind of wear many hats at the same time True. i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing um because <laughs> it's just i mean i keep uh, remembering you know all those uh, happy dasara messages where you have the goddess with those several arms yeah there are times when you go like i don't want to like do anything you yeah. know and that also all my hands away <laughs> all my hands away just i don't want to do anything you know so I yeah couldn't. but having said that i think yeah and i think with our generation uh the good thing is we've been given so many more opportunities uh so many more privileges that we grew up with as compared to the previous generation so many more battles that we probably didn't have to fight of course um so i think it's but you want to fight too i yeah yeah i yeah. every day is a fight and like i will survive <laughs> if i want fighting and if i want being challenged enough yeah yeah uh but yeah it just allows you space to kind of then explore the best versions of yourself and then you, i think somewhere we're also also very greedy you don't want to let go of anything then you just sure. want to do it all so yeah yes <laughs> yeah so avi asked samyukta to write her handwriting sample which is written on an unruled sheet of paper Uh, she wrote whatever came to her mind and i haven't read it so i generally do that i don't read the the content because i don't want to get influenced that is the the real answer but the other one is being a dyslexic it helps not to uh, read too much and just jump in and look at the formats that becomes even more accurate in terms of assessment so i stick to that so the first thing that stood out for me is your signature and even your handwriting for that matter goes upwards which means yeah. uh, the baseline the imaginary line on which you write that line is constantly going upwards now what does that mean if you uh, you know for our listeners if you have that trait in your writing you can also relate to this uh, trait description that i'm going to do right now uh, every single time when you when you look at any situation any problem you get excited about solving problems and people yeah. don't understand like how can you be excited about it so you may wonder that is it not am i not supposed to avoid these challenges avoid these problems but for some reason you get excited when you have a lot to do when you have a larger challenge and if you don't have your problems you go and solve other people's problems and if that is done you would like find a social situation where you can contribute so your mind is constantly active the only character i can think about is uh, rancho's character from three idiots you know how he wanted to study other people's syllabus and then he wanted to uh, create his inventions and if nobody was bothering him he still kept working at his own curiosities yeah. but too much of enthusiasm yeah okay oh my god this is scary <laughs> no 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 someone can know you like absolutely this absolutely right that that's the name of the podcast not scary oh, absolutely right absolutely <laughs> absolutely right <laughs> yeah but that is me that is that is so me because uh, i think i've also been lucky in every every role also that i have been put into mm-hmm. um in fact one of my i remember one of my interviews where my line manager who was interviewing me actually said i'm going to literally pick you up and throw you into the deep sea okay and you got to figure out how to how to swim and whether you're going to survive okay and only after you've tried everything else like pura haath pair marke like you've said that okay now i give up, give up then you're allowed to raise your hand that's the only time i might come to help you if okay. i am convinced that you've done everything that it means and then he thought that would scare me off and i would be like oh my god i don't want to work with you 
<laughs> and I was like, wow, that's exactly yes. what I've been looking for. Yeah, totally. I'm game. <laughs> oh, yeah, like it's like almost challenge accepted. Totally, totally. <laughs> I thrive on challenges. Like if you tell me something can't be done, I'll stand ulta and figure out how it can be done. So that's very me. Jokes aside, I think it's always helped me because a lot of people talk about um, ability to say no, you mm. know. Um, and there has been so many TED Talks and so many famous people have spoken about it, this whole thing of saying no. Um, for me, I think that ability to say yes. Wow. Um, and, and just saying, yeah, like, you know, let's just figure it out. If no one in the whole organization has a solution to something and mm. you guys have been grappling with something for years. And this has happened from my very first role at Asian Pains when we were one of the first batch, one of the first few batches of women who were hired Wow. to take up a sales area manager role. Wow. I think right from then to what I'm doing at the moment, I think it's always been filled with, I think so many examples where I've just been thrown in situations where there have been no solutions. And, and you said have, yes. And I said, yeah, let, let's just figure it out. Na. Let's just take that risk and let's see what happens. So before we go ahead, I really want to explore this because one of the things that I see in your handwriting is you're very direct. Like uh, the the lowercase letter T, if it is made like a cross. Huh, huh, okay. The I am, fourth, I am looking the fifth at line. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. see the crosses. So there is right. no softness at the bottom. It is like a direct pointed approach. And that's what people do. You would call a spade a spade. You would yeah. say things for what they are. You would not necessarily mince your words and we'll talk about it later when it when we will walk into certain dimensions but but you love being direct and to the point about situations and about what you're talking discussing or working at now how how does it help to say yes and then be direct with your team or while getting things done it is you know it is kind of counterintuitive yeah it is very 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 so <laughs> and uh, this is something i've been told I think again, right from the beginning, I think even when I was doing my uh, Hazar internships, like during my entire graduation, hmm. two out of three years, I went every single day after college and did and picked up internships because I didn't want to waste my time. And I was very, okay. very scared that if I'm not learning, I wouldn't know what is to be done. So, so you your college syllabus was not stimulating enough? I don't know. I think we had some excellent professors. I think some of them who actually changed my life, uh, helped me look at life very, very differently. One of my professors who's no more now, mm -hmm. she was one of India's um, uh, first Doordarshan female uh, news readers, Luku Sanyal. Oh my God. And she God. literally changed my life because her approach to life, her approach to just everything. It was so stimulating just to sit across the table with a cup of coffee and have, we had these really long, Conversation? Long conversations oh. and as an 18 year old, she really opened up my mind to so many things. Like, right, is there anything my... you remember that she taught you or she said? Yeah, so I remember, um, we were talking about, and this was during my uh, one of my first meetings with her, where um, it was actually an interview to get into the course. Mm -hmm. And I was actually making a switch from computer engineering to bachelor's of mass media, what because, yeah. So okay. I took up engineering like a typical um, South, South Indian, Indian kid, <laughs> took up science, got my great grades, yeah. got, got enough marks to get into a good college, got right. very good marks to ensure that I also got into the best course possible, which is computer science. Right. And um, yeah, and I just realized that this is so not for me. And I went How back to into it. 
no no couple of months and okay. i was like okay this is really not something i want to do i was very clear that um, i'm not a cultural fitment i don't think like that it's a little too restraining in terms of um, you know how the syllabus was being taught sure. it is not just not giving me any kind of creative outlet to do anything that uh, i mean as an obviously as a 17 year old you, you can't articulate any of those things in, right. in as many words your brain becomes very muddled and confused but i went home and i remember having this conversation with my dad who's from iit bombay top of from iit bombay again oh typical typical <laughs> south indian dad yeah and um, he was like uh, yeah quit do what you want follow no, your heart it's not typical sorry that's not I, typical south no, indian no so i am my father was I, a south indian and that was not how it how it went sorry <laughs> yeah okay so my dad's typicality ends at the <laughs> the education bit but the minute i told him that i and i went to him before i went to anyone else actually because there was so much wow. pride in the family that okay you know the first girl engineer that we are going to have and all of that Oh. and i went to him and i was like i really don't like it you know i just don't see myself doing it if you guys say that i have to do it i'll i'll do it uh, but my heart is really not into it so what do i do mm. and he was like who's asking you to do it you you said you wanted to do it so uh, i mean have you figured what you want to do so i said yeah there's this course called bachelors of mass media and uh, i always been a good uh, writer i think mm. and uh, i've always been good at public speaking always uh, taken part in a lot of elocutions and debates and uh, essay writing and all of that so i was like perhaps this seems like a very interesting program that uh, may be relevant to me i don't know at the end of it you're supposed to decide if you want to become an advertiser or a journalist so i was like i'm not too sure what i want to do at the end of it but this seems like a course with 36 subjects across 3 years Mm-hmm. it sounds very interesting and i've gone through the syllabus it's a fairly new course that the bombay university has introduced so i'd like to try it out he was like yeah okay go for it <laughs> but samyukta having having said that going to your father with this complete preparation and knowing the the syllabus and the study and the research is very typical south yeah. indian <laughs> yeah absolutely i went like with my notes written you yeah, even have <laughs> you'll never find me without my book and pen i'm never like without one <laughs> Well, yeah, I, went, yeah, I, I remember having a few conversations with my parents, and I had to really, really prepare. I think talking to the professors and other people were easier compared to right. your parents because you Absolutely. have to you're expected to know what you're doing and why you want it. Yeah, correct. And, and you have to back it by logic. You can't just yes. go and say I feel like. There's yeah. no I feel no, like. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, then I took up the course, and um, actually during my interview, uh, I went through a lot of things. Okay, so there were colleges where. uh the best of colleges actually there were there were these panel discussions where i was shunned then they were like how on earth can you switch like do you realize how blessed you are that you know you got the marks you have the brains and your parents are supporting you mm-hmm. and you gotten into engineering how can you leave you right. know why would you want to do that and then suddenly after giving interviews like that where i got admission and i was still in the process of evaluating which which college i want to pick up mm-hmm. uh then comes in luku okay and i met met luku for my interview a there was no panel you know every other panel they had this thing of where the professors would sit on a podium and the, the kid <laughs> on a pedestal right literally and the kid is sitting down on one little bench you know like and everyone is literally looking, looking down, down upon you i don't know if this is the exaggeration of my 17 year old brain <laughs> But that's how I felt every time. Or the visual reality of what we go through. 
Yeah, because why, why would you have that uh, physical realm, right? Like where right. somebody is on one plane and everybody else is on another. I mean, just doesn't make sense. And then I find Luku comes and sits next to me. Wow. Like there's not even like she's not even sitting across the table. She comes down, sits next to me, and then she's like, "I love what you've done with your life. Like you know, why do why do you want to do this?" And it wasn't a, it wasn't that intrusive. Uh, no judgment, yeah. nothing. Not condescending, not intimidating. And I didn't even know who Luku was when I met her. So mm-hmm. I didn't even know about her achievements and her life and uh, you know the wonderful human being that she was. I didn't know anything about her. And she's she actually comes and sits down next to me. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "What are you reading right now? I'm sure you read." And then wow. I was like, "Okay, I'm reading The Alchemist." And then we had an entire conversation about the shepherd boy and how he followed oh, nice. his dreams. And that that entire dialogue was about. about that book and okay. about luku and that change just changed my life because suddenly my perspective was oh it is cool to mm. figure out what you want to do and it is also perfectly okay to give up on something and do something else because it's right for you versus okay. that whole societal judgment of saying oh my god how can you like give up on something or how can you leave something that is you know whatever perceptually more lucrative than than this so do you think uh, you know we all have had these amazing conversations with people not only yeah. professors or teachers but people in general yeah. do you think as yeah. a leader it affects you like when you see somebody conflicted going through uh, that turmoil that you know yeah. career and, and any any walk of life do yeah. you approach uh, that person the way luku did to you i try if i am and the good thing about me is that i'm highly perceptive so i'm constantly and this is again probably because of also like you're saying it's a kind of people also that you've been exposed to mm-hmm. but i'm the kind of person who would sit in a cafe and just kind of weave tales around everybody else around <laughs> me just wonder what two people are doing you know i can't why. wait to meet you on, <laughs> yeah. on, on like one of those matunga uh, yeah, dosa joint madras cafe like because you have to share tables and there are so many people around Correct. to talk about i i Correct. can't wait to do that yeah so for me i'm generally my antenna is a little up all the time so like you said my brain unfortunately never switches off so mm-hmm. i'm constantly observing taking notes and it it's not by i mean i've always been like that even as a kid um i've just been like that as a person so i try i'm going to pause you here yeah. sorry but i want to pause you because what you just said i have i have to tell our listeners about the handwriting references of these behaviors that you just described anybody who who has disconnected handwriting generally taps into perception intuition creativity a lot more that also leads to disorganization not having exact sequence to finish things but figuring things out because you don't have a sequence you can fit in new things in between and can get things done and so the enthusiasm that i spoke about the upward baseline mixed with disconnected writing could be a recipe that gets invented every time you decide to cook every time you are in a problem you kind of reinvent what you want to do so there is some method to this madness but most of it looks like madness because people can't replicate what you do you can't replicate what you do every single time the newness the challenge the the ability to to explore drives your decision making yeah true true <laughs> <laughs> i think it was other way around like i was just giving the references of why you behave the way you do yeah and it's interesting because uh, though you are a great orator 
uh, you love to connect with people, you're still an introvert. Yeah. And I'm saying that because the writing largely goes tilts to towards the left side. Ah. If you look at the vertical letters like H, L, D, most of them, if you look at the tilt, is towards the left side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. And that's the, the indicator, is it? Indicator. And ah, when you look okay. at the the signature, the size of the first letter in right. is slightly. Right. In that shows you love to talk, you love to express yourself, you uh, have an opinion that you are okay stating and people disagreeing with it, and you know seeing what would happen with it. Yeah. Now, having said that, people because you speak so well, people may perceive you to be an extroverted person. Correct. When you start Correct. talking, you are a, you're a great conversationalist, but that yeah. doesn't mean introvert people cannot speak. And that's a myth yeah. people carry around. Introverts yeah. speak a lot only when they're comfortable, Correct. but they gain energy by spending time with themselves. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. that is something that yeah. must be confusing many, many people around you. Yeah. You've hit the nail on the head. In fact, I did one of these personality tests, I think years ago. Just to figure out this entire bit of, there are times when I love being around people. Um, and like, I think the word, the, the operative word you used was very right, uh, energy. Yeah, but it's perfect the way you described it. I need a lot of those um, spaces, breakouts, uh, me time in yeah. order to regroup. Like that's the only way I can organize my thoughts. And that's so, a beautiful point that you made because most introverts do not realize one that they are introverts and they don't do these me time uh, breakouts. You mm -hmm. can't do it for a very long time because of your responsibilities yeah. and all yeah. of that and yeah. nobody can in today's Correct. time and age. But if Correct. you find those 15 minutes in the middle of the day between two meetings or pick up a hobby that, that, that requires you to only work by yourself. For example, right. swimming. Like yeah. mostly, I know there are many people swimming in the pool, but generally when you're underwater, you are by yourself. Correct. And most introverts prefer swimming over say a group workout where you can literally be speaking right. with people all the time. Correct. So. Correct. Correct. So for me, it's writing, singing, writing especially helps. Like even as a kid, I used to constantly be writing. Uh, yeah. I used to just write whatever was coming to my head or what I felt at that moment. It, and somehow it would just give me clarity. Like even now, many a times people keep asking me, why do you take down notes of everything? I'm going to send you the minutes. Yeah. Why, you, why are you writing you the notes? Write, yeah. You know, and I'm like, no, for me, the minute I have uh, that pen is physically touching paper, mm -hmm. it's just committed to my memory. It just stays. It's also giving me a lot of structure yeah. versus if I'm merely listening to somebody or even if I'm just typing that of physicality course. of that touch, I don't know, somewhere... I don't know if there is any science. Behind I can't it. agree with you more. And of course there is because the kind of senses that get involved and also the muscles that you use when you physically write something, uh, they're phenomenal. And that's why I believe handwriting is so accurate when you yeah. analyze somebody. On top of that, journaling by itself or writing yeah. things down yeah. allows your brain to feel calmer, have more space because everything right. that you're so-called preoccupied with Somehow your brain believes there is a, there's a weird correlation of printed or written words on paper. Mm, mm. Typed words do not do, like right. type, typing process does not do it. But right. if printed words or yeah. if you write something, your brain somehow psychologically have, have different kind of security. I don't know why it works, but it works. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs>
So yesterday you asked me a question, what kind yeah. of leader are you? And as I talk about you, I think you're more of a perceptive leader, which goes more in situational leadership. You keep changing things as per the requirement, but you don't have a steady specific style. And that's why probably till date you could not define a style. Yeah. You yeah. couldn't agree to any one of them or commit to any one of them because you're very yeah. perceptive. Depending yeah. on who you're speaking with, what their frame of reference is, what context you're you're dealing with, you change the way you deal with people. And I think that's one phenomenal and it requires a lot of, uh, you know, remodeling, a lot of rethinking, a lot of uh, literally coming up with multiple approaches every now and then to solve a problem. So if one solution is done, you sit back and in your me time, maybe think about what else you could have done naturally. Something that we teach people to do, you know, as, my, as part of my coaching, I always say, okay, what are the alternate ways in which you can solve the same problem? In mm. your case, you actually have that as your natural way of going about. You think about, oh, this was great, it worked. What else I could have done? Or oh, this was horrible, it didn't work. What else I could have done? So that that thinking of what else I could have done is is I think inbuilt. Wow. Okay. Thanks. Because for me, yeah, this has been a genuine thing I've been grappling with. You know, yep, like I can imagine. And I have been observing so many leaders in the course of my career. Like I've had some like outstanding bosses, people I probably didn't agree with at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering why they're telling me what they're telling me to do. And I've been later been able to go back and connect the dots saying, Oh, this is the reason at that point in time, in that meeting, she asked me to do that. And right. now I'm probably applying things that I learned there. But there was always a very clear leadership style, you know, in every single person who interacted with me, you know, and somehow for the life of me, I have been, I've just not been able to define it for myself. So when you gave me that opportunity of saying, ask me five questions, I was like, okay, this has to be one of the first and, questions I ask you. And I would say it is like, I would say if I were you, I would be happier because to be able to be this perceptive leader, you have to have very high level of empathy. Okay, sometimes you do get too involved and this is where the problem is and you can't snap out and that leads to losing objectivity momentarily. That is a challenge. But if you learn that and if you master that as, you know, that as a direct feedback from now onwards, like if you start seeing where can I, where am I indulging? So one is understanding other people's reference points and where they're coming from or if somebody is bringing too much of uh, heavy, uh, conflicted, part to the conversation but then stepping away and looking at it as a as an objective viewer and seeing what you require to do is is where i think the growth or journey will go from here got it got it got it yeah Yeah, we can stay away and if you know if most leaders i study and more phenomenal leaders i have met i see no matter where things go they actually have the ability to step back yeah and see the larger picture Right. You said then done because so many times the the stress of getting things exactly how you want them to be is right. so high. Yeah. You're like you know, how can I be objective? It matters to me, and that's why I'm so involved and invested. Correct. Blah blah blah. Correct. But in that moment, if you can crack the code, it yeah, is the way you approach it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Actually, when while you were telling me this, I was thinking of situations where I've probably gotten carried away, and then then actually been in situations where I've actually told myself it's okay, let go. Yeah. You know, because you know what you have to drive. So it's okay. Just step back and let and things you, And flow. you do that often. And it's just work. That, 
it yeah. just yeah so it's just that you probably have to now create that as a newer learning curve that how often would you do it how yeah or how naturally it? i think e- with ease of, i was about to say yeah yeah right. like effortlessly one of my bosses would keep using this word called effortless never for the life of me understood what she meant by saying effortless okay i was like nothing is effortless everything is like there's so much hustle and you're yeah. constantly trying to hack something so where is the effortlessness coming in but she was like no as a leader you have to seem like you're effortlessly doing things and at some point it will become a part of you where you right. will be eventually you'll get to a point where you'll get, become effortless there's a sanskrit word for effortless which i think is actually like more apt than than the english word yeah. it's called prayatna shaithilya okay where prayatna okay. which is effort yeah is effort and shaithilya is without shithil yeah. so it shaitil. has become numb so ah, okay mastery where the efforts have become numb and that's why effortless is prayatna shaithilya and i yes. fell in love with that yeah Obs- absolutely you yeah. really want to master being that that cool boss to a point that when Correct. you your objective it is not seen at all that effort Correct. is absolutely absent or non existent for the other person Correct. but for you it has become numb because yeah. you mastered yeah. it yeah i love that okay i'm <laughs> going to use that now thank you <laughs> <laughs> over to you what question yes. can i answer so one of the questions i had and this is actually in fact borrowing from what you were also saying about um, uh my enthusiasm but the con of it being the inability to switch off which means that even if i'm not working i'm always working i'm always on and that my brain is like constantly working it's running through job lists and thinking about what else has to be done uh, what needs to go live when you know like it's it's just there and the problem because of this um over the years what has happened is uh, i often find myself uh, waking up in the middle of the night Mm-hmm. and i've actually kept a book and a pen like under my pillow and i actually then sit down and write because i'm i'm so worried that next morning when i wake up i'll forget what i was thinking so very often ideas come at that point or you know some solution randomly i would think of something or somebody i, I was supposed to call and i forgot uh, whatever it could be anything but basically i'm not cut off from work like my laptop will be shut mm-hmm. but i'm still working Yep. So I very often and this has become a habit over the past few years where I wake up in the middle of the night scribble down what I need to scribble down so that next day morning I'm like I'm able to kind of do that obviously that means there is that's I think that's a genuine issue not being able to mentally cut off because uh, yeah so how do I mentally cut off My first question. question is why do you think it's an issue Because I, I know people talk about this and yeah. uh, I I only uh, you know has been running a business for so many years and yeah. i have met many many entrepreneurs who yeah. are so committed to what they yeah. do yeah. they talk about it and you you know have been a professional and still you have the same so called problem as you're defining it but yeah. i feel it comes from the sense of ownership that otherwise professionals do not take okay Okay this is your pursuit of excellence i agree you would like to relax a bit more and we'll talk about that yeah. but i do not see this as a problem this is okay. like 24 by 7 you are willing to capture whatever your brain thinks about to yeah. make your performance better yeah yeah why do you consider it as a problem you give me a very new perspective full and, and so many times spend on the whole thing wrong. yeah yeah we think we are wrong because other people don't behave like this or yeah. they have certain ideas of how the sleep should go if your brain is relaxed enough 
and in the yeah. middle of it in one of those cycles shifting it becomes yeah. active or activated yeah. and you have created a system to capture the thought and then you go to bed if it is not affecting your relaxation cycle then there is no problem with it okay thank you you have made my day <laughs> <laughs> like i think some of the most amazing ideas have come when people were like taking showers or yeah. they were uh, you know sleeping yeah. and when the brain is away from the active stimulation and constantly interacting with the problems of people around they get that your brain gets a moment to dive deep and right. dive into those parts where you have clear awareness and perception and because i have been intuitive myself i know there are these bouts of intuition that you get at no random hour like you just like unexpected unexpected but yeah. if you you know that if you miss it you miss it and Correct. you also know that they are valuable like that is like the piece of information that other people never ever ever would have access to that right. comes to you as a gift and okay. i have made it a practice that i receive that gift every single time it comes so mm-hmm. i hear where you're coming from i don't think it's more of productivity is more yeah. of knowing that i go to capture what comes to me because mm-hmm. it's not what you're thinking it comes mm-hmm. to you right 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 yeah 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 actually someone it makes sense now because someone asked me when i was writing my book mm-hmm. that where are these ideas coming to you and i'm like it's not i'm not doing anything it's just coming to me and i'm writing i almost feel like i'm the scribe i'm so just supposed to write like it's just coming to me it's not like i'm actively sitting and thinking post fitting kuch nahi it's just mm. it's just coming so i'm writing it i just feel that i need to need to therefore capture it in the form of a book yeah literally oh amazing yeah. my yeah. angelo spoke about it you know when she was a slave when she was very very young she used to get these poems downloads and sometimes right. she used to get them reversed in mm-hmm. a reverse order and mm-hmm. she go back and run from the from the farm to the place where she had a notepad kept right. she would run and she used to capture because she used to wonder what if they disappear because right. they come you're right. not writing them they're just literally right. given to you it's just given right yeah i love the word that you said it's a gift yeah yeah <laughs> thanks that's a completely 360 degree new perspective i'm going to treat it as one most welcome <laughs> next question yes then i had another question and i think again it's very uncanny how you brought it up for my handwriting <laughs> okay so uh you said you spoke about the t's and um, the way you you direct. know direct yes um so tactfulness has never been my strength ever <laughs> so i have always been told be more diplomatic just because you have a point of view does not mean that you just have to state it out unfiltered uh-huh. um so and so as i grew as a leader you know uh, then i started okay then i realized that okay it i mean just calling and i think you used was like calling a spade a spade and that's that's very accurate description of how i behave mm-hmm. so it's not like i'm rude mm-hmm. but i'll just tell people if something's wrong i just call it to their face saying or if someone is faffing which is again something that i have Gets very to low you. tolerance for yeah <laughs> saying so how do i become more tactful are there have been are there courses that you can do to be a lot more diplomatic <laughs> you know like kind of soften the blow and yeah i just think that is probably a trait i need to develop because it doesn't come naturally to me to be diplomatic it just But before we get me. get there and talk about it i want to ask you how have you survived as a marketer by you know like in spite of these traits like are you not supposed to like make the the basic feature the most romantic idea that people have to have and yeah. then chase 
how do you manage to do it in spite of having such clear distinct approach to to look at things so i think as a marketer the very first step is to kind of identify what the issue is because you're always solving for a problem you're not creating a problem but you're solving for a problem right and i think that's where people go wrong yeah. where they kind of try to create an issue try to create an insecurity and then tap into that to say hey my product will solve for this that's really not how the narrative is supposed to go because i think somewhere you need to have a super positive approach to everything and that's something that uh, for me if something like you spoke about vibe mm. for me marketing also i have always looked at it in a very 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 happy positive space to say how do i make somebody's life better because my product wow. exists it could be anything and i think i've been very lucky because i've worked in different industries i've worked in paints i've worked in i've worked in fmcg i've, I've worked in you know healthcare and each time for me i worked on ice creams which is actually ice creams actually led to, to happiness <laughs> yeah and now i'm back in the skin and beauty business but for me if you're it's very important that you kind of unearth that one single consumer truth and it has mm. to come from a space of high levels of authenticity mm. uh, and then you kind of tap into the narrative of saying that okay why is my brand my what is my brand bringing into your life which will make your life better and actually help you with that truth or that insight that you're trying to solve but the first step is to get into that insight like i think somewhere research and cmi folks have always been like underdogs in this entire value system of um, marketing you know where the marketer becomes like the hero of the story mm-hmm. um, but the person who's actually doing all the grunt work going and speaking to consumers having these long and i love doing consumer work where you're sitting across the table and just understanding that person and i've always told people this even during my workshops that you that person is not that person's heart that person is not that person who's drinking your beverage that person right. is not that person who's coming and you know applying your cream hmm. there is an entire whole human that makes up there's a whole entire whole you hmm. the minute you understand that whole and you, then you're able to incisively arrive at what is it that that person is looking for and how hmm. do you kind of solve for that i think that place of authenticity is what matters and i think somewhere i can i can very confidently tell you that i think that's been my strength always to be able to identify cut through a lot of refract and say this is the human truth this so is the authentic you, truth and therefore this is the narrative do you think you need to develop a course because most marketers don't get this they absolutely <laughs> tell you how your life is horrible and so many times being a behavioral analyst or a coach i i feel that we work so hard to make people feel amazing about where they are at or accept yeah. themselves and there is a there is this one ad that just shows your limitations and you know it's brutal and Correct. what fair and lovely did for the longest time to like really take away beauty from people and yeah. so the other brands keep doing like literally i feel it's unkind for marketers yeah. to do that and if you're talking Correct. about authentic approach uh do you really intend to teach this in the future because <laughs> they require it for sure so i'll let you in on a little secret so when i was at abbot mm-hmm. uh, i had a very differentiated role so all my experience had been in fmcg i'd worked at unilever i'd worked at parley i'd worked on brands like fruity and apifills and i'd worked in asian paint so my experience so they were looking for someone who can actually um, because for them it was like pharmaceutical marketing is 10 years behind the curve if you compare it with fmcg marketing right. don't quote me on this or don't hold me to this but this is the large belief system is that fmcg is way ahead of the curve because it's b2c let's just put it right. that way it's b2c versus b2b mm-hmm. obviously there's going to be uh, some bit of semantic difference differences between the two uh, sure. industries and the way they work 
so the entire thing was that they wanted to reposition themselves from a very cold pharmaceutical giant into mm. this warm caring healthcare organization and therefore they were looking for people who could actually bring that to the table there literally was no job description it was more like you come you create the role for yourself and wow. then you tell us what is it that is required to kind of drive or instill it was almost like a change management so it had nothing mm. to do with the industry but it was like i had to bring about a cultural shift in attitude and behavior for everybody from the md of the organization to the um, all the vps who are there to the brand managers or the product managers as they call them to the medical doctors in the system to the actual sales rep or the mr who actually wow. goes and struggles and meets the doctor stands in like long queues to get 2 seconds of that md's time right and then i realized that i actually created an entire ecosystem saying you guys have been approaching it very 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 differently where you're talking about the liver you're talking about the gut you're talking about mental illnesses mm-hmm. um again my entire approach was like looked at the patient first have you all ever spoken to patients and they said no what is the point of speaking to the patient the Whoa. doctor knows best right. because he's the ultimate uh, you know Decision he maker. knows and mm-hmm. he's the expert as far mm-hmm. as this field goes so why or not would we go and speak to the patient i'm like but the doctor is catering to the patient there is a certain language in which the patient communicates right. like you go and say stomach pain the doctor is talking about some brain gut access and calling it ibs mm. but he's going and saying i have griping stomach pain mm. every time i'm under stress i mm. end up having like very severe gastric issues he's right. talking a very different speak language right in terms of describing his issue he's not going to filter what he's going to say and he definitely does not know those medical terms mm. so how do you even decode the language of communication that is happening between the patient and the doctor mm. and then how do you, how do you as marketers then create communication that will actually make the doctor's life simpler Easier. when he's mm. talking to that patient because then he knows why he's prescribing what he's prescribing and the patient is also able to understand that even if a particular dr- drug may have some side effects may not be good for me but mm. he's getting a holistic understanding of why the doctor is prescribing it to him like right. it will just become makes life so much simpler when the communication lines are open and when all talking the same language wow uh, so that's what i tried doing also the pharmacist again mm. somebody that a lot of us end up approaching the pharmacist directly saying uh, sir dard ho raha hai you know right. what would you recommend Yeah. all uh, most many people end up doing that over the counter purchases yeah. are so high all the time even if it's mm. wrong right whatever in india there are no systems for all of this so it ends up happening um how do you then educate or even understand conversations that are happening there how do you empower that guy a lot more so basically mm. if you have to get everybody into the ecosystem and of course then the trauma of that sales rep who's mm. just being thrust upon marketing collaterals and saying hey this use this to sell and right. he's like i can't even understand what you guys have put into this literature so i am still going and saying if i've been like a seasoned sales professional for 10 years mm. i know exactly how to go and convince which doctor how so mm. i'm going to continue with my narrative irrespective of whatever you you guys are creating in the head office in your air conditioned uh, offices and that's right. how they talk yeah and so how do you kind of bridge the gap between what you guys are thinking the pharmacist the patients so i call this like a 5p model so basically mm. saying a healthcare model that i'd actually created for abbot Mm-hmm. which i then started running workshops even with industry professionals like researchers from milward brown and imrb and uh, ipsos okay. and then i had like uh, advertising professionals who are well versed in getting the brief 
again there was a problem in where in the manner in which the brief was being written your mm-hmm. advertising agency can give you output that is as good as the input that you are feeding in wow. so if you say creative mein maza nahi aa raha hai what does it even mean how am i supposed to decode what do you mean by maza nahi aa raha hai mm. ya is is creative mein feel nahi hai what is feel so yeah i i, mean, I, I am guilty of feel. using such words i i know <laughs> mm. For me, it was like, please write down briefs in the right format because the more you're willing to share, and I think as human beings, we tend to hold back. You don't right. want to give in, so right. you will give very limited information that you feel vendor के लिए इतना काफी है. नहीं, वो vendor नहीं है. पहले तो partner है. Think right. of that person very differently because mm-hmm. your entire deliverable as a professional depends on that person's ability to understand what's going on in your head and then to create magic out of it yeah true right true. so the more information you are empowering that person will take that person on your sales visit go get that let that person take a couple of treatments let that person actually go to the market with you the kind of insights that he or she will then bring to the table because that's their forte will be diametrically like 360 degree opposite of what you've been getting so far so right. the, my entire attempt was to kind of get this entire ecosystem together create a healthcare model that actually works mm-hmm. and then kind of and we actually did this very successfully for nine of the many many brands that i was handling there we because there was one person called mr sandeep khandelwal who's mm-hmm. now the head of uh, dr reddy's laboratory who completely believed and bought into my entire analogy mm-hmm. and he actually allowed me space and freedom to say run with these models and let's see how it works for us and it actually worked beautifully we even ended up using simon sinek's uh, purpose model oh, to actually nice. create purpose for start the entire portfolio yeah, yeah start with the why because your brain is also working in the same manner and it's very simple right it's nothing it's not rocket science mm. so yeah i've been again lucky that i could use some of this and i uh, continue doing that no but that whole thing of creating impact by making someone's life simpler is yeah. what your commitment is and and when i looked at your handwriting for the first time and i can say that now i saw so much of integrity and i'm like how is she managing to be a marketer with so much of integrity because generally and and direct approach which i was talking about right because generally you don't find that and you know after seeing so many marketers handwriting if you see that dishonesty a bit you also discounted for professional reasons you're like oh, of course they have to say something that they don't believe in but here you are you do not say a single word that you don't believe in so that is that is tough i'm glad my handwriting is such a mirror <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to study graphology under you now please do please do. more than welcome so we spoke about yesterday a few things that you had your moments of realizations as yeah. uh, things that you did during the pandemic right Right? right and i feel we, the conversation is going so much about embracing yourself and and holding on to your ideas holding on to uh, recharging building yourself again and again and you know right. so that you can walk into a situation with all enthusiasm that you have right is there anything specifically that you did or anything that you would like our listeners to implement learn from yeah so i think first of all the pandemic hit everybody in different ways <laughs> all of us <laughs> i mean it's so ironic i remember at a can in 2012 uh, i attended this amazing session by jonathan mildenhall who used to be the global cmo of uh, coke okay. and coke had this coca cola 2020 because everybody was talking about 2020 2020 in fact the award that i won in 2014 at can again was about 
to eradicate world hunger it was by wfp by 2020 and last year suddenly you know these are things that you just push at the back of your mind because they were good moments when they happened in 2014 2012 yeah. you know when and there was so much hope about what's going to happen in 2020 and then suddenly you look back and then you're like you know 2020 just said okay everyone can go walk yeah. <laughs> i will do what i feel like doing so we believe that it's, it will be a definitive year which it was absolutely yeah. in a wrong side of the definition and all the movies that were made about 2020 yeah. <laughs> not to, and the books that were written <laughs> it just got me i think it i'm sure it got a lot of us into these very deep contemplative moments where uh, yeah i mean i don't even want to delve into what what would have happened but if i were to speak very personally about myself i realized that i've been working for so long like i've like i was saying i've been doing so many internships i've always been hustling and it's always mm-hmm. then became very single minded to say that if i have to be the again sounds very audacious and crazy but if i have to be like the best marketer who's out there you know right. who can solve any problem for me it is always about problem solving you know and if i have to like find a fix and mm. find that fantastic fix that you know which will really help the brand grow by leaps and bounds mm. how do i do that and that's always been my endeavor i think somewhere what happened along the line of doing so much brand building and so much uh, like you said there is so much passion and rigor because i tend to get very deep and somewhere that's also fallacy perhaps because i can't look at things at the surface level and say okay i've understood everything so i really will stay up all night and read a lot of literature i'll go to the r&d scientists and i'll go to the people working in the factories and i'll say give me whatever you have let mm. me just understand how your machine works let me understand how your formulation is created mm. and they'll be like aapko kya lena dena hai isse it's okay <laughs> you know we'll give you like a synopsis and i'm like nahi nahi mujhe samajhna hai you know mm. i'm going to come to the factory and see how it's being made mm. it's always been like that for me i can't do things half hearted so i think some some you're sorry but this yeah. is what the high performers drive looks like so all that you're describing it may look like a fallacy moment at at times but actually that's how high performers work and more i study high performers and talk to them every now and then they just talk about what they are into with their 100% commitment and utmost passion this is where they discover the the nuances of how they solve problems so problems in front of you are literally incidental for you to master the the skill set of solving problems so okay Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to meet you more often. Yes, please. <laughs> I feel so good about myself. Thanks. Actually, not. I'm just articulating what you naturally do, and I don't believe in this whole feeling good kind of a thing because when I say things, and I have also said many yeah. things about you, which yeah. were not necessarily feel good, positive, but I right. think it's, it's always freeing when you know who you are and how you function. It right. gives you. Or the why? I think what you have been answering for me has been the why. Like I know the what and the how, but yes. I think what you've been very insistently pointing towards is is the why. <laughs> yep, yep, you got it. Yeah. Yes, thanks. You were saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So last year, then what happened was I had kind of let go of certain things in my life. For example, in twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen is when I uh, I had this idea for a book for a very long time. So I grew up in this place called uh, Thane in Bombay, mm-hmm. where there is a large Jewish neighborhood. One of my best friends was a really? Jewish girl, and okay. I used to go to her house regularly. Obviously, the customs are very different. Everything about their life is very different, but they speak Marathi because they landed in a shipwreck to Alibag two thousand years ago, and then they kind of got assimilated into that whole culture, and and then kind of it transpired from there. 
Okay. Uh, so that's like the backdrop of the story, and I had this idea for a very long time that you know I want to I want to capture something that I have seen, I have experienced, but probably most people even growing up in a city like Bombay would not really know mm-hmm. about things like this. Uh, and then I actually traveled in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to New York, where you have like one of the largest Jewish communities of the world. I went to Alibag. I went to Pondicherry. I went to Calicut, wow. where again you have this entire Jewish uh, Jewish town and all of that. Yeah, yeah. and um, I did a lot of research. In fact, in New York, I spent time in the Jewish university, spent time with professors, met rabbis. Actually, understood, read a lot of books. So I actually sat in the Jewish library there. To that's where I started writing the book, like years okay. and years ago. I gave the entire book a stab, finished writing the entire manuscript, sent it across. I even met people like uh, Amish and all of that to kind of understand if this is what even is making it? sense. Okay. Is this even wow. something that people would be interested in? I met Ashwin Sanghi. I met a couple of authors also to kind of get their feedback on, would you be interested in, right. you know, even reading something like this? Just wanted to kind of mm-hmm. get a sense of, and they all said yes. And then once again, I got sucked back into this entire corporate <laughs> life. And I just put that at the back burner. So after giving it like two full stabs, like I properly rewrote it like twice and then grammatically corrected it, proofread it. In fact, worked with a literary agent also at that point whom I engaged with to just help me ensure that the flow is right. You know, Mm -hmm. and she gave me feedback saying, hey, this is bullshit, doesn't work. This is fine. This works and all of that. And I needed a couple of more weeks or probably two months, three months to kind of get into that entire mode of hustling and ensuring the book sees the light of day. Okay. And that's when the Abbott opportunity came up and I kind of just got back into this entire realm of working. And then time, obviously, you don't realize how time goes. I I sound like some archaic dinosaur, but time just went by. (laughs) then again, beach beach me, I think I picked up speed 2016. Again, I gave it an entire, entire shot. And over the weekends, by that, you I, mean like you rewrote the script again? I rewrote the entire book. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes, okay. I rewrote the entire book. Like most parts of it, I kind of rewrote. Again, kind of, uh, kind of let go because, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, again, it was just work. I mean, for me, it was like, that was always priority. This was more like a hobby for myself. <laughs> then finally, 2020 uh, happened. And, um, and that's when I said that, okay, when I said that I'm going to actually travel once again. So I actually traveled to the South. I went to Kunur mm-hmm. and I again gave the entire book a complete rehaul. Okay. I actually sat down, rewrote the entire book all over again. And I told, I told Kaya before I'm joining that I just want to finish it. So they were like, obviously can you join a little earlier? I said, no, I really like this time I've, I've made a commitment to myself. At least let's ha- let me have my full manuscript ready, you mm-hmm. know, and I'll work with my agent, finish the entire manuscript and then I will join. So now I've reached a stage where I am, I think 60% sure that the book is okay, mm-hmm. but I still know that I still need a couple of moments, but I'm glad I at least had little more self-realization to kind of uh, rewrite the book again. Uh, rewrite parts because I also it, it gave me a sudden um, backdrop of how I have changed as a person or how things mm-hmm. were in 2014 and what I was writing at that point versus how things are now when I wrote right. it again in 2020 um, it just also showed me my journey as a person that's my growth or whatever degrowth growth whatever as a person also <laughs> to kind of realize how I wanted to then switch the narrative differently my main character only changed completely as a person Mm-hmm. A lot of things happened in the process. Um, so I'm still guilty of not 
having done the final grunt work that is required and mm-hmm. i'm hopeful someday i'm able to use utilize my weekends to actually Do get that. this done yeah that's a commitment i have made to myself not been able to adhere to it since a year and a half but let's see the second gonna, thing that i'm going also going to pause you and ask you how old is your son right now he's 4 so all of this happened while you were pregnant and the child was like really young and you were taking care of the child you kept doing these rewrites this is phenomenal like how i mean yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> okay so anybody who's listening and if you have an excuse of why you're not doing what you believe in here you go <laughs> remember her story remember yeah i i don't even have words like when i think about like running running the 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 roles and actually doing justice to them having a child taking care of all of this and being so committed and the perfectionism that i was talking about the fear of being rejected here you go and listen till you are not com- com- completely convinced about the quality that you put out you won't stop and that was like actually the example personification of that oh my god okay <laughs> Thanks Aditi you just like made my weekend huh? like <laughs> <laughs> thank you most yeah. welcome and then the other thing that i discovered or rather rediscovered after some million years i think the last time i probably sang a song was in 2006 million years that would be a dinosaur like i know i yeah. know yeah okay <laughs> i think with my kid i'm too much into the dinosaur <laughs> business at the moment so okay it's a little it seems like very new age you know what okay. i'm saying <laughs> like pigs and dinosaurs seem like normal like peppa and all those people are like literally living in our house so yeah <laughs> Okay. So yeah so singing was another thing i think like i think you and we shared this whole narrative of you know growing up as a south indian <laughs> i think you either had to learn carnatic music or you learn bharatnatyam dance mine like was bharatnatyam two... yes perfect there you go you have all the nuances of a bharatnatyam oh. dance also i have to let my big eyes i hear you everything <laughs> and the expressiveness right like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like once you learn these things they never leave you they always keep correct. coming back yeah and sometimes when you don't want them to they just like correct expressions correct. come and people are like what happened so as a coach i have to really work hard not to like express everything that i'm thinking but it's tough yeah. after your training correct correct so yeah music was something that again integral part like you know growing up that was something that i've always learned and i went to a convent school so there again there was a lot of influence of western classical music right. and growing up in thane there was a lot of influence of hindustani music and semi classical music and right. all of that so i was always part of like the school choir leading the carol singing we were always taking part in a lot of competitions again i think that's a very south indian thing so you're constantly <laughs> taking part in competitions and winning and then there was this other mommy that i met in matunga market like i was telling you <laughs> and she was like padaria and i was like no i don't sing and she was saying come home for vijayadashmi because that's when you usually sing, uh, sing right like you yeah. read and you sing and all of that and then i was like okay last year i was like okay let me let me just start singing again you know let's wow. see where it goes so, so it took 2020 it took the entire world to stop for you to start singing again yeah, like really yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> and it also to answer your question about the me space thing i realized mm. how much singing and i re- remember at home i used to sing loudly you know as a kid you are so like free mm. no abandon you know you just like sing and yeah. you're just so free right you're constantly humming you're just singing as an adult you stop doing those things of there course. are certain behaviors you learn 
and i don't think anyone as in whatever this avatar has ever the professional avatar has ever heard me sing mm. so for me this was like very liberating to be able to go oh, back nice. and start singing oh, nice. again yeah so so connecting to yourself truly yeah so my advice to everybody would be that i'm sure you had like things as a kid that you loved doing yeah so if there is a way you could just recreate any yeah. of those hobbies and something that has to be uniquely for you no money no fame no power or uh, no family uh, no one giving feedback nothing like just for you <laughs> sure sure purely no, for you no validation coming not no people validation. being like oh my god how cool you are none of that happening nothing. after you do these things nothing only Doesn't for matter. you only yeah. for you yeah <laughs> so nice thank you thank you so much i think this conversation had so many different parts and we spoke about from career growth to not having tact to being like really really honest and and saying things for what they are to now singing i think all is like a like all parts of one's professional space are like covered and and enjoyed thank you so much thank you so Thanks. much for being so open and and so lovely lovely way of looking at a marketeer in a different light altogether thanks thanks aditi <laughs> i enjoyed absolutely enjoyed being a part of this program exactly. and i learned so much about myself i love the fact that you gave me so many insights into myself as a professional as a person forget professional again i'm making the fallacy of again giving these barriers <laughs> i think yeah and it's amazing i'm definitely going to touch base with you to understand more about graphology please, please. very intrigued <laughs> would love to would love to thank you so much for joining me one more time on the absolutely right podcast this whole conversation with samyukta brought different understanding about marketing about how one can look at their own leadership and authentically approach the whole process to be very honest with you as a podcaster i feel it's my privilege to talk to all these amazing people and get to know them at a deeper level sometimes i wonder what makes these people keep growing and moving to the next level what they must be doing different that other people do not do and after thinking i feel probably is their ability to learn and constantly question their own limitations it's not easy whatsoever we all love our comfort zones and we do not want to change alter things and make our lives difficult but for some reason these leaders these high performers have figured out their formula their method in this madness to know what do they require to change about their personality about their thinking every now and then if you think you are unwilling to do it or you are stuck in that area then please look at it objectively take a step back and evaluate your own performance a small change in perspective like that can add to your growth tremendously if you have liked this conversation if you have learned something interesting about yourself about your work or about leadership and if you think a marketer friend an aspiring leader friend can get benefited by it then do share this episode it is available on all major podcasting platform I'll see you on Friday with one more episode of the Absolutely Right podcast. Till then, happy writing. Mm-hmm.